Hello, and welcome to EDU, Eric DeReese University. I'm Dr. DeReese. Let's get started, shall we? The Systematic Design of Instruction, Chapter 3. Conducting a Goal Analysis. Objectives. Classify instructional goals in the following domains. Intellectual skill, verbal information, psychomotor skill, and attitude. Perform a goal analysis to identify the major steps required to accomplish an instructional goal. Background. As we move from one chapter to the next in describing the instructional design process, note that the step being discussed is highlighted in the diagram of the model. Also, recall that we begin the step of the design process with a goal that has already been identified and stated. The goal could have been identified through performance analysis and needs assessment, or by consulting a state school performance standards or federal workplace safety standards. However, it was derived, the goal should be a clear statement of what learners will be able to do. The major purpose of instructional analysis is to identify the skills and knowledge that should be included in our instruction. Because of this, be, uh, because this can be a complex process, we separate it into two major substeps, each addressed in a separate chapter in this book. In this chapter, we discuss how the designer determines the major components of the instructional goal via the use of goal analysis. In chapter four, we describe how each step in the goal can be further analyzed to identify subordinate skills. In our experience, ID students are much more successful doing the subskills analysis if they have already worked their way through a successful goal analysis. The total process is referred to as instructional analysis. First question for the designer following the identification of an instructional goal is what exactly would learners do if they were accomplishing the goal successfully. Examining instruction by asking such questions is in sharp contrast to creating instruction by first identifying topics or content areas and then determining what information should be included for each topic based on the current views of subject matter experts, SMEs. The SME approach tends to stress current views of subject matter, uh, tends to, uh, wait a minute, the SME approach tends to stress knowing whereas the instructional design approach stresses doing. For example, can you imagine the frustrations of a group of employees at a two-week training session on developing and maintaining a website after spending the first three days studying the history and theory of the internet? Not until the end of the week do, uh, do they get to sit at a computer and begin to experience the excitement of learning to publish their own web pages. This is an example of not only destroying learners' motivation, but also of not having a procedure for identifying the skills that are really required to achieve the instructional goal. Likewise, rather than describing the content of a course on Shakespeare in terms of a list of the 10 plays that a student will read, instructional designers could identify precisely what students will be able to do after completing the course, such as compare and contrast the element of character development in three of Shakespeare's comedies. Through goal analysis, designers can move beyond simply stating what students will have read when they, have com when they complete the course on Shakespeare. This chapter focuses on these goal analysis procedures. It should be stressed that the goal analysis approach is not only is not the only way to identify content that should be included in a set of instructional materials. Using this approach, however, does result in the identification of skills that effectively lead to the achievement of an instructional goal. Concepts. An instructional analysis is a set of procedures that, when applied to an in uh, to an instructional goal identifies the relevant steps for performing a goal and the subordinate skills required for a student to achieve the goal. A subordinate skill is a skill that must be achieved in order to, to learn some higher level skill by facilitating or providing positive transfer for the learning of higher level skills. This chapter focuses on goal analysis, saving the analysis of subskills for chapter four. 
Goal analysis includes two fundamental steps. The first is to classify the goal uh, statement according to the kind of learning that will occur. The different categories of learning are referred to as domains of learning. The second step is to identify the sequence, uh, the major steps required to perform the goal, or for verbal information identify uh, for verbal information, identify the major clusters of information that learners must recall. Review each of the following abbreviated goal statements. Given a list of cities, name the state of which each is the capital. Given a bank statement and a checkbook, balance the checkbook. Set up and operate a digital video camera. Choose to make lifestyle decisions that reflect positive lifelong health concerns. Each of, the goal, each of these goals might serve as the starting point for instructional design, and the question then becomes, how do we determine what skills must be learned in order to achieve the goals? The first step is to categorize the goal into one of Gagne's domains of learning, which is done because of the implications for the goal analysis and the selection of the appropriate subordinate skills analysis techniques discussed in Chapter 4. Verbal information. The first of our sample goals requires the learners to name the state for which each of the cities is the capital. These are many, there, there are many ways to teach such a skill and several ways the learner might try to learn it. However, there is only one answer for each question uh, and only one basic way to ask each question. There is no uh, symbolic manipulation, no problem solving or rule applying. In essence, verbal information goals require the learners to provide specific responses to relatively specific questions. You can usually spot a verbal information goal by the verb that is used. Often the learner must state, list, or describe. It is assumed that the information to be stated or listed will be taught in the instruction. Therefore, the task for the learner is to store the information in memory during the instruction and remember it for the test or when needed for some related task. Uh, in, in intellectual skills. Now let's consider goal number two, which deals with uh, balancing a checkbook. By nearly anyone's definition, this is a problem-solving task and is therefore classified as an intellectual skill. Defined as skills that require the learner to do some unique cognitive activity, unique in the sense that the learner must be able to solve a problem or perform an activity with previously unencountered information or examples. The four most common types of intellectual skills are making uh, discriminations, forming concepts, applying rules, and solving problems. With these skills, the learner can classify things according to labels and characteristics, uh, can apply a rule, and can, and can select and apply a variety of rules in order to solve problems. Any goal that requires a learner to manipulate symbolic information in some way is an intellectual skill. So in addition to our problem-solving goal, the following are also classified as intellectual skills, being able to apply the, major, uh, the rule for computing sales tax and being able to classify a variety of uh, creatures as either mammals or reptiles. It is important to be able to identify the various levels of intellectual skills. Discriminations are primarily simple, low-level learning by which we know whether things are the same or different. We actively teach young children to discriminate between the same and different colors, shapes, textures, sounds, temperatures, tastes, and so forth. Discriminations are seldom taught as individual learning outcomes to older children and adults, except in specialized in instances such as sounds in foreign language and music, colors and odors in chemistry, and kinesthetic feel in athletics. Discriminations are, however, important building uh, blocks that we put together as we learn concepts. Just think of the important discriminations that are involved as a child learns the concept of hot burner and the rule, don't touch the burner if it's hot. Learning concepts essentially means being able to identify examples as being members of a certain classification. If the concept is baseball equipment, then the learner must be able to determine whether various examples of equipment 
were baseball equipment. Note that the learner might be asked to identify an actual object or even a picture or description of the, pic of the object. The learner would have to have mastered the concept by learning the characteristics of baseball equipment that distinguish it from all other sporting equipment and from other objects as well. Concepts are combined to produce rules. An example of a rule is a squared plus b squared equals c squared. In this rule, the learner has to have the concepts of a and b and c, squaring, adding, and square root. The rule shows the relationships among these concepts. The knowledge of that rule is tested by giving the learner a variety of values for a and b and asking for the value of c. The learner must follow a series of steps to produce the correct answer. The highest level of intellectual skill is problem solving, and there are two steps of problems, two types of problems, well-structured problem solving and ill-structured problem solving. The well-structured problem is more typical and is usually considered an application uh, problem. Is that right? An application problem? Yeah. The learner is asked to apply a number of concepts and rules to solve a well-defined problem. Typically, the preferred way of going about determining what the solution should be is for the learner or problem solver to be given many details about a situation, a suggestion of what rules and concepts uh, might apply, and an indication of what the characteristics of the solution will be. For example, algebra problems are well-structured problems with a preferred process, involve a variety of concepts and rules, and have a correct answer. Researchers also classify some problems as ill-structured, in which not all the data required for a solution are readily available to the learner, or even the nature of the goal is not clear. Multiple processes can be used to reach a solution, and no one solution is considered the correct one, even though the general properties of <clears throat> an adequate solution may be known. There is no better example of an ill-structured problem than the instructional design process itself. We rarely know all the critical elements that pertain to that information, uh, to that formation, to that formulation of the need for the instruction or the learners who will receive the instruction. There are various methods of analysis and strategies for presenting the instruction, and there are a variety of ways to assess the effectiveness of the instruction. Most of the instruction created by the instructional designers is in the domain of intellectual skills. It is important to be able to classify learning outcomes according to the various levels of skills and to determine whether the instructional goal should uh, could be improved or made more appropriate for learners by elevating it to a higher level of intellectual skill outcome. This is especially true when the designer is presented with an instructional goal in the domain of the verbal information. Psychomotor skills. The third goal listed setting up and operating a digital video camera is classified as a psychomotor skill because it involves the coordination of mental and physical activity. In this case, equipment must be manipulated in a very specific way to produce a quality video image successfully. Psychomotor skills are characterized by learners executing physical actions with or without equipment to achieve specified results. In certain situations, there may be a lot of psycho in the psychomotor skill. That is, there may be a great deal of mental or cognitive activity that must accompany the motor activity. However, for purposes of instructional analysis, if the learner must learn to execute new uh, non-trivial motor skills or performance, um, or performance depends on the skillful uh, execution of a physical skill, we refer to it as a psychomotor skill. Consider the following examples. Uh, being able to throw a baseball is a psychomotor skill that requires repeated practice for mastery. Planning smoothly with a video camera 
panning smoothly with the video camera to follow a moving object while maintaining correct lead space in the video frame requires practice for mastery. However, programming a VCR to record a late night program automatically in which the pushing of buttons is a trivial motor skill for adults is essentially an intellectual skill, meaning that extended practice in the pushing of the buttons is not required for mastery and will not improve the ability to record the late night program. Attitudes. We express, if we express a goal statement in terms of having learners choose to do something, or in the fourth example, concerning uh, choosing a healthy lifestyle, then that goal should be classified as an attitudinal, attitudinal goal. Attitudes are usually described as the tendency to make particular choices or decisions. For example, we would like individuals to choose to be good employees, choose to protect the environment, and choose to eat um, nourishing food. Goal number four states that learners will choose to make lifestyle decisions that reflect a positive uh, lifelong concern for their health. To identify an attitudinal goal, determine whether the uh, learners have a choice to make, uh, whether the learners have a choice to make, and whether the goal indicates the direction in which the decision is to be influenced. Another characteristic of ad attitudinal goals is that they probably will not be achieved at the end of the instruction. They are quite often long-term goals that are extremely important but very difficult to evaluate in the short term. As you examine an attitudinal goal, note that the only way we can determine whether a learner learners have achieved an attitude is by having them do something. A psychomotor skill, uh, a psychomotor skill, an intellectual skill or verbal information, therefore instructional goals that focus on attitudes can be viewed as influencing the learner uh, the learner to choose under certain circumstances to perform an intellectual or psychomotor skill or to state certain verbal information. This view of attitudes aligns well with uh, current uh, thinking about teaching dispositions as educational uh, goals. It is well understood that there is a clear distinction between knowing how to do something and choosing to do it. For example, knowing how to report bullying on the playground or illegal practices in mortgage loan processing is necessary, but not sufficient for action. A disposition toward um, social conscience, fair play, and ethical behavior is also required. Cognitive strategies. Readers familiar with Gagne's work uh, know that he described a fifth domain of learning, cognitive strategies. We mention cognitive strategies here for completeness and to avoid confusion, but have deliberately omitted the terminology from the chapter chapters that follow. For our purposes, cognitive strategies can be treated similarly to ill-structured problems solving and taught as intellectual skills. Cognitive strategies are the meta-processes that we use to manage our thinking about things and manage our own learning. Some strategies are as straightforward as mentally repeating the name of new acquaintances several times while visualizing their faces so that you can call them by name and the next and the next uh, name the next time that you meet them. A more complex cognitive strategy is figuring out how to organize, cluster, remember, and apply new information from a chapter that will be included on a test. Now consider the very complex combination of ill-structured problems and cognitive strategies used by a civil engineer in laying out a section of farmland for housing development. One, the engineer must have command of a very of a vast array of physical and intellectual tools such as computer-assisted design, geographic information system uh, data databases, land surveying, soil analysis, hydrology, and water, sewer, and electrical uh, utility systems. The engineer must have command of a variety of textbook engineering strategies for um, 
the range of problems encountered in a land developed project. That's number two. Number three, for a large project, the engineer must manage uh, cooperative team efforts for in-house and consulting specialists in environmental, legal, and architectural matters. And four, the engineer must organize, manage, and apply all of those tools, solution strategies, and collaboration skills in a formerly unencountered environment. Some tools are useful, some are not. Some solutions work, others are rejected or modified. Some project team members will contribute quickly and reliably, others might require more direction and maintenance. In the end, the final site development is a one-of-a-kind product of the engineer's ability to orchestrate a variety of uh, resources toward the solution of a unique problem. The civil engineer in this example manages the internal thinking uh, processes uh, required to organize, attack, and solve multi-dimensional problems in laying out the housing development, all the, all the while learning new strategies for accomplishing the work assigned. This civil engineer's work can be compared directly with an ins um, instructional designer's work. As described previously, both are engaged in solving ill-structured <clears throat> problems. For the instructional design processes described in this text, we place cognitive strategies with problem solving at the top of the intellectual skills grouping. Bloom's Domains of Learning Outcomes. In the mid-1950s, Benjamin Bloom and his colleagues published the Taxonomy of Educational Objectives as a framework for classifying student learning outcomes according to his views on the complexity of different kinds of skills. Bloom's Taxonomy is a popular scheme for categorizing learning in both school and uh, business settings. So we have, uh, so we include it here and compare it in Table 3.1 with Gagne's types of learning. Those familiar with Bloom's categories may wish to use the table for translating from Bloom to Gagne. We use Gagne's scheme throughout the book because his categories provide guidance for how to analyze goals and subskills and how to develop instructional strategies that are most effective in bringing about learning. More recently, Anderson et al. modified some of Bloom's terminology and configured his taxonomies as a matrix to relate visually the uh, knowledge level to other levels of the cognitive domain. Goal analysis procedures. It is important to recognize that the amount of instruction required to teach an instructional goal will vary tremendously from one goal to another. Some goals represent skills that can be taught in less than an hour, whereas other goals may take um, many hours for students to achieve. The smaller the goal, the easier it is to do a precise analysis of what it is to be learned, of what is to be learned. After we identify the domain of the goal, it is necessary to be more specific in indicating what the learner will be doing when performing the goal. Procedures for um, analyzing intellectual and psychomotor skills. The best technique for analyzing a goal that is either an intellectual skill or a psychomotor skill is to describe in step-by-step -step fashion exactly what a person would be doing when performing the goal. This is not as easy as it first may sound. The person may perform physical activities that are easy to observe as in, psycho, in a psychomotor skill. However, the person may process mental steps that must be executed before there is any overt behavior, as in an intellectual skill. For example, it may be quite easy to observe the psychomotor steps used to clean a paintbrush and spray equipment, but almost impossible to observe directly all the intellectual steps that a person might follow to determine how much paint would be required to cover a building. As you go through the process of describing the exact steps that a person might take, in performing a goal, you may find that one of the steps requires a decision followed by several alternate paths that can be pursued. Uh, for example, in cleaning a paintbrush, you might find at one point in the cleaning process that the paint will not come out. So in, 
uh, alternate an alternative technique must be applied. Similarly, in attempting to solve the mathematics problems related to um, area and required paint, it may be necessary first to classify the problems as type A, smooth surface requiring less paint, or type B, rough surface requiring more paint. Based on the outcome, uh, one of two very different techniques might be used to solve the problem. The point is that learner is that the learner has to be taught both how to make the decision and how to perform all of the alternative steps required to reach the goal. Goal analysis is the visual display of the specific steps the learner would do when performing the instructional goal. Each step is stated in a box as shown in the flow diagram next. What this diagram indicates is that a learner who had the tools available as described in the goal statement could perform the goal by first doing step one, which might be adding which might be adding two, two numbers, or it might be striking a particular key on a keyboard. After doing step one, the learner then performs step two, and then three, four, and five. After doing step five, the process is complete, and if done properly, is considered a demonstration of the performance of the goal. This sounds straightforward, and it is until you start doing an analysis of your own goal. When questions arise about how large a step should be, how, how much uh, can be included in one step? The answer depends primarily on the learner. If the instruction is for very young students or older students who have not learned how to learn, then the steps should be quite small. If the same topic is being taught to older, more proficient learners, the same skills are included, but they would likely be combined into larger steps. Take a close look at the system design model at the beginning of this chapter and note that the conduct instructional analysis step we are now describing is depicted as a parallel activity with the analyze learners and contexts step rather than as a preceding or following activity. The process of analyzing learners is described in chapter five, however, it is important to recognize that uh, elements of the step can be completed simultaneously with goal analysis and that using detailed knowledge, detailed knowledge of learners while doing a goal analysis results in more useful and realistic work. Remember that the chapter-by-chapter -chapter sequence found in this text is designed to lead you through the process of learning to use a system design model. As you become proficient at instructional design, you gain a, more, a better feel for the sequential parallel and cyclical relationships among the steps in the model, and you gain confidence in applying your own strategies for organizing and sequencing your instructional design work. Regardless of how large the steps should be, the statement of each step must include a verb that describes an observable behavior. In our example, we use the verbs adding and striking. These are behaviors we can observe, or in the case of adding, we can observe the answer written down. What we cannot see, for example, are people reading or listening. There is no direct result uh, or product. If these are part of the goal, then the step should include that what learners will identify from what they read or hear. Each step should have an observable outcome. Another behavior that we cannot observe directly is decision-making. Obviously, it is a mental process based on a set of criteria. The decision-making steps are often critical to the performance of a goal, and depending on what decision is made, a different set of skills is used. If reaching the goal includes decision-making, the, the, the decision step should be placed in a diamond with the alternate decision paths shown leading from the diamond. Let's walk through this diagram of the performance of a goal. The performer does step one and step two sequentially. Then a decision must be made, such as answering the question, does the estimate exceed $300, or is the word spelled correctly on the screen? If the answer is yes, then the learner continues with steps four and five. Alternatively, if the answer is no, then the learner does steps six and seven. Several important characteristics about decisions should be noted. First, 
uh, decision can be a step in the goal process, goal analysis process. The decision is written out with an appropriate verb and displayed in a diamond in the diagram. Second, there must be at least two different skills to be learned and performed based on the outcome of the decision. An example not required requiring a decision diamond is one in which a step required the learner to select an apple and the next step to peel the apple. The learner might be taught critical criteria to use for selecting an apple, but regardless of the apple uh, selected, the next step is always to peel it. There are no alternative next steps and no diamond is used in the diagram. If we alter the apple example, the step in the diamond might be to distinguish between ripe and unripe apples. After the distinction is made, the ripe apples might be treated in one manner and the unripe in another. Clearly, the learner must be able to uh, distinguish between the two types of apples and then be able to perform the appropriate procedure depending on the ripeness of the apple. Note that the question in the diamond is, is the apple ripe? This implies learner ability to make the distinction. Um, if it is likely that students can already do this, then no teaching is required. Students are simply told to do this at the appropriate point in the instruction. However, in some cases, it is necessary to treat this as a skill. The learner will be able to distinguish between ripe and unripe apples and eventually to provide instruction for this skill, just as you, uh, just as you would for any other steps in the goal uh, analysis process. Notice also that the numbers of the boxes the numbers in the boxes do not necessarily indicate the sequence in which all of the steps will be performed. In the example, if a person does steps four and five as a result of the decision made at three, then the person would not do steps six and seven. The opposite is also true. Also, note that step three, because it is in a diamond, must be a question. The answer to the question leads one to different steps or skills. Several other conventions about the diagramming uh, about diagramming a goal are useful to know, such as what to do if you run out of space. Suppose you are working across the stage and need room for more boxes. Obviously, you can turn the page on its side. Another solution, shown in the following diagram, is to use a circle after the last box on the line to indicate the point where the process breaks and then reconnects to the boxes after an identical letter lettered circle. The letter in the circle is arbitrary, but should not be the same as any other letter used elsewhere in the analysis diagram. In our example, we use the letter M. It is not necessary to draw any connecting lines from one circle with an M to the identical circle because the reader can locate easily the next circle with the same letter in it. Another solution to the space problem is to drop down to the next line with your boxes and proceed backward from right to left with the description and numbering. As long as the line and arrows indicate the direction of flow, this is acceptable. The arrows are critical to the interpretation of the diagram. Also note the use of the dotted line, which means that when the goal is being performed, it is possible to go back to any number of earlier steps and come forward through the sequence again. Examine the diagram carefully to see the logic of the process being described. As you analyze your goal, you may find that you have difficulty knowing exactly how much should be included in each step. As a general rule at this stage, there are many, there are typically um, at least five steps, but not more than 15 steps for one to two hours of instruction. If you have fewer than uh, five, perhaps you have not been specific enough in describing the steps. If you have more than 15 steps, then you have either uh, taken too large a chunk to be analyzed 
or you have listed the steps in too much detail. A very general rule of thumb is to review and revise the steps until you have uh, five to 15 steps for every one or two hours of instruction. Procedures for analyzing verbal information goals. For analyzing instructional goals classified as verbal information, you begin the analysis process by thinking, now let's see what will the students be doing. I guess I will ask them to list the major bones in the body to describe the major causes of bone injuries and so forth. I'll just ask them on a test to do this and we'll write down their answers. In a sense, there's no intellectual or psychomotor procedure other than the uh, presentation of a test question and the retrieval of the answer. There is no problem solving with the information nor any decision making required of the learner. Doing the goal analysis is similar to preparing an outline of the topics contained in the goal, but there is no uh, sequence of steps per se. Boxes can be used to indicate the major topics within the goal, but no arrows are used to indicate a sequence of steps to be performed. With no procedure to follow, how does the designer sequence verbal information skills? The best sequence for verbal information skills is chronological, when a natural chronology can be identified. When there is no natural ordering among the topics, then they should be sequenced based on the inherent relationships among them. For example, spatial, for easy to, to complex from familiar to unfamiliar, common content areas, and so forth. Procedures for analyzing attitudinal goals. When the instructional goal is classified as an attitude, then it is necessary to identify the behavior that will be exhibited when the attitude is demonstrated. Is the behavior an intellectual skill or a psychomotor skill? If so, use the procedure, procedural flowchart process described previously. However, if the attitude demonstration con constitutes verbal information, then your goal analysis should be a list of the major topics contained in the information. In summary, goal analysis for intellectual and psychomotor skills is an analysis of the steps to be performed, whereas for verbal information goal, it is a list of the major topics to be learned. Either approach can be used, depending on the nature of an attitudinal goal. More suggestions for identifying steps within a goal. If you cannot state your goal in terms of sequential steps, perhaps it has not been stated clearly in terms of the outcome behavior required. If it has been stated clearly and you still have difficulty, there are several procedures you can use to help identify the steps. First, describe for yourself the kind of test item or assessment <clears throat> you could use to determine whether the learners could perform your goal. Next, think about the steps that the learner must go through to respond to your assessment or test. Another suggestion is to test yourself, that is, observe yourself both in the physical and mental sense performing the goal. Jot down notes about each of the steps uh, you go through and the decision decisions you must make. These are the steps you would record as the goal analysis. Although these procedures may produce a series of steps that seem very simple to you, remember that you are the SME. They probably will not be so simple or obvious to the uninformed learner. There are several other ways to conduct a goal analysis. In addition to recording your own steps in performing the goal, find others who you know can do it and ask them the steps they would follow. How do their steps compare with yours? Often there are differences that should consider um, that you should consider in the final representation of the goal. It is sometimes possible to observe others performing your goal. What steps do they follow? It is also a good idea to consult written materials such as textbooks, uh, technical reports, uh, equipment manuals, somewhere in, um, software instruction, user's guides, policies, and procedures booklets, and go forth to determine how the skills in your goal are described. In professional and technical training, the goal site, the job site, what we call the performance context in chapter five, is a good place for observing experts performing the goal for 
um, finding existing manuals that document job performance standards and for talking with employees or supervisors who um, currently perform or manage performance of the goal. For selected skills, you could even look up how-to videos on websites such as YouTube or VideoJug, remembering, of course, always to question the authority of this type of resource. Recall that analyzing contexts is a parallel activity to um, conducting a goal analysis in the Dick and Carey model and very pertinent to the goal analysis. As an aside, refer for a moment to figure 2.1 on page 19 and note the step labeled conduct job analysis right before the goals are identified. In professional and technical training settings, the results of a job analysis might be available to the instructional designer for use in doing a good analysis. Stated simply, the results of a job analysis are a report of the findings from a very careful and detailed examination of the types of job performance information described in the previous paragraph. There are circumstances, however, in which detailed information for goal analysis simply is not available when you are asked to begin developing instruction. Take, for example, the case when new training materials are being developed at the same time that a new piece of equipment or software is being developed so that the manuals, training, and new product can be brought to market simultaneously. When time, when time, is, when time to market is critical for gaining, or, uh, uh, gaining a competitive advantage, a company will not want to delay product in introduction while the training department completes the product package. The circumstance necessitates the rapid prototyping approach to uh, instructional design described in Chapter 10. Doing a goal analysis obviously requires that the designer must either have extensive knowledge about the goal or be working with someone who does. The need for knowledge may have a downside if the designer has already taught the topic or goal in a regular classroom setting. We have routinely observed that novice designers tend to list the steps they would follow in teaching a goal rather than the steps that a learner should use in performing the goal. Teaching and performing are steps are different. Um, verbs to watch for in your description of the steps in your goal analysis are describe, list, say, and so forth. These are almost never part of performing psychomotor, intellectual, or attitude, attitude goals, but rather are words useful in describing how we would teach something. We will reach that point later in the instructional design process. For now, we only want to portray in graphic form the steps that someone would follow if they were performing your goal. Another problem in conducting a goal analysis is the inclusion of skills and information that are near and dear to the designer but are not really required for the performance of the goal. Designers with a goal of experience in a topic area may be subject to this problem or more likely it arises when the designer is working with an SME who insists on including a certain topic, skill, or information. This becomes a political uh, issue that can be solved only through negotiation. The main purpose of the goal analysis is to provide an unambiguous description of exactly what the learner will be doing when performing the goal. Once the goal analysis has been completed, the designer can identify the exact nature of each skill and any prerequisite skills that must be mastered. Examples. The first phase of, the, of performing an instructional analysis involves two major steps. One, classifying the goal into a domain of learning, and two, performing a goal analysis by identifying and sequencing the major steps required to perform the goal. Table 3.2 shows four sample instructional goals and a list of four learning domains described previously. First, we classify each goal into one of the domains, and then we identify the sequence and identify and sequence the major steps required to perform the goal. The letter of the corresponding learning domain is written in the space provided 
to the left of each goal statement. Intellectual skills goals. Examine the first goal listed in Table 3.2. Determine distance between specified places on a state map. This goal is classified as an intellectual skill because learners are required to learn concepts, follow rules, and solve problems in, the performing, in performing the goal. With the goal classified, we should identify the major steps required to perform the goal and the best sequence for the steps. A good way for the designer to proceed is to identify the type of test item that could be used to determine if a student could perform the skill. You could obtain a, a copy of a state map and review how the task can be accomplished using the map as a reference. Checking the map, note that there are obviously three separate and distinct ways to determine distance between specified places. One is to use a mileage table, another is to use a mileage scale, and yet another is to add miles printed along highways between the cities. If the student is to be able to use all three methods, then their main, then three, okay, then three main methods include, included in the goal analysis. Then there are three main methods included in the goal analysis. Okay. Another task could be to decide which of the three identified uh, methods is most appropriate to use in a particular situation. This task implies that there is a decision to be made. Therefore, the criteria necessary to make the decision must be learned. Figures, figure 3.1 contains the major steps required to perform the goal. If learners must uh, determine the distance between major cities within a state, they perform tasks 1, 2, 3, and 4. If they must determine the distance between distance towns, uh, distant towns or a city and a town, they use tasks 1, 2, 3, and 5, and 6. Simultaneously, if they must um, determine the distance between relatively close cities and towns, the situation, if the answer to the first two questions were no, they do steps 1, 2, 3, 5, and 7. When a choice or decision must be made in order to perform a goal, when, then when and how to make the decision must be learned together with the other steps. Simply teaching learners to use each of the three procedures is not adequate for the goal. At this point, we have analyzed the instructional goal to provide a framework that enables us to identify the subordinate skills required to accomplish each major task. Psychomotors, um, psychomotor skills goals. The second instructional goal presented in Table 3.2, putting a golf ball, um, putting a golf ball should be classified as a psychomotor skill because both mental planning and physical uh, execution of the goal are required to put the ball into the cup. Neither banging the ball around the green nor simply willing the ball into the cup will accomplish the task. Rather, mental planning and calculating, combined with accurately executing the stroke based on mental calculations, are required. Now that we have the putting goal classified by domain, we next identify and sequence the major steps learners take to execute the goal. Uh, shown in figure 3.2. As we watch a golfer preparing to putt the ball, we notice some mental planning activities appear to occur. The steps that follow the planning simply provide a broad overview of the, com of the complete task from beginning to end. The sequence we have at this point provides us with the framework we need to identify the subordinate skills required to perform each of the steps already identified. Attitudinal goals. The third goal listed in table 3.2 chooses to maxi maximize uh, personal safety while staying in a hotel is classified as an attitudinal goal uh, because it implies choosing a course of action based on an underlying attitude or belief. When would learners be doing um, what would learners be doing if they were uh, exhibiting behavior demonstrating safety consciousness while staying in a hotel? The first step to building a framework for the goal is to visit several hotels and inquire about safety features provided, resulting in identifying three possible 
main areas of concern. One, hotel fires. Two, personal safety while in hotel room. Uh, three, protection of valuable possessions. Figure 3.3 shows the major steps of maximizing personal safety in relation to hotel fires. This series of steps reflects the actual behaviors performed by a person who chooses to maximize fire safety precautions while at a hotel. Each of these major steps could be broken down further, but for now, they indicate what a person should be doing to perform the first part of, of this goal. A similar analysis should be done for the second and third components of the goal related to personal safety and protecting valuable possessions. Verbal information goals. The fourth instructional goal in, in table 3.2, describing the five parts of a, of a material safety data sheet, MSDS, that are most important for job site safety, is classified as verbal information goal uh, because learners are required to recall specific information about the contents of a document. As MSDS is a federally mandated information sheet, provided to customers by chemical manu manufacturers, performing this goal requires knowledge of five topics as illustrated in figure 3.4. Note that for a verbal information goal, uh, these are not steps in the sense that one goes from one activity to the next. Uh, there is no mandated order inherent in the information. Thus, the goal analysis simply indicates the major topics of information that must be covered in the instruction. Typical first approach to goal analysis. When reading a text such as this, the instructional goal diagrams may appear to have simply flowed from the word processors of the authors when the reader initially applies the process. However, it does not always seem to work as smoothly and easily. It might be useful to show a typical first pass at goal analysis and to point out some of the problems that can be avoided. Examine, um, examine figure 3.5 which shows the analysis of a wordy goal related to the initial use of a word processing program. It appears that the analyst did not say, how should I perform this goal, but seemed to ask, how should I teach this goal? We might want to explain some background information to begin the instruction. However, at this point, we want to list only the steps in actual performance of uh, the goal. Performing the goal in figure 3.5 does not require an explanation of operating systems. Thus, step one should be eliminated. Step two appears to be a general step related to getting the system up and running. It should be revised to express what the learner would be doing, namely turning on the power and locating the start menu. Step three should be eliminated because it is a general process for uh, first-time users that should only appear as a sub-step. Concerning step four, the expert who was performing the goal would never stop to explain what an application program is. This may be a subordinate skill somewhere in the instruction, but it does not belong here. Thus, it too should be eliminated. All we want to do is note the steps in getting the word processing application working. Moving on to step five puts us back on track, but what is meant by use toolbars? It should be dropped as well because the substance of the goal is included in step six. <coughs> Finally, step six includes writing, editing, and printing a document. This is much too large a step for goal analysis and should be broken down into the following separate steps. Create a file, enter a paragraph of prose, ed edit a paragraph, and print a paragraph. Given this analysis, we would rewrite the goal as follows. Operate a word processing application by entering, editing, and printing a brief document. The revised steps are shown in figures 3.6. It looks considerably different from the initial analysis of 3.5. Also note that as you review the steps necessary to carry out the goal, no one step is equivalent to performing the goal. All the, go all 
<clears throat> all the steps must be performed in sequence to demonstrate the ability to perform the goal. Hi, this is Dr. DeReese. Do you like what you're hearing in this podcast? Would you like to hear more? Well, why not support this podcast by making a donation? The amount doesn't matter. Whatever works for you, I am certainly grateful for. And while you're at it, why not make a suggestion for what you'd like to hear in this podcast? I'm certainly open to suggestions. And let me just say, thank you for your support. Well, that's the end of this episode of the podcast, EDU, Eric DeReese University. Thanks for listening. And until next time, take care.